Welcome to the Conscious Consulting Podcast. We are so glad you're here with us today. In this episode, the CCG team explores the question how the relationship between generations will shape the future of work, what separates and unites generations, and how to overcome the gaps and transform tensions into innovation, and what teachings from wisdom traditions could help us to co-create a productive collaboration in the future. In the next 30 minutes, we'll take you on a deep and wide journey. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I mean, jumping to the discussions about um, the future of work um, across different culture uh, or generations, uh, I think one particular insight I would like to add from the Buddhist perspective is that uh, work definitely bring out the interrelationship between human beings, um, like how people can work together, contributes to common goals, and then also contributes to, to common success. Uh, technology has bring us together somehow, uh, contributing to very different mode of interactions, uh, but at the same time also somehow distance us from, from one another. So I think one thing that we need to think about is when we think about a lot of the, the silos, like in terms of different culture, different um, uh, generation, uh, different uh, philosophies, how different generations or different culture can look at um, the the perspectives like from from other from other groups, and how these perspectives can facilitate the, the interactions uh, from the perspectives of work. Uh, I think one one challenge is that that we are facing right now is that as we become more and more um, sophisticated in terms of technology, our views, uh, our identity seems to be more segregated than to uh, be more um, uh, connected than, than we used to be. So, so in this world of, of huge um, distinctions and, and also having at the same time, unfortunately, division, how can we bridge the divide between different cultures, different generations, um, so that we can all work together to, to make the world a better place? I think that is one of the biggest challenges. And, and I think the contributions from a lot of great wisdom tradition is to tell us like, how to think through each, each of these uh, different identities, uh, cultures or, or religions, actually somehow they are not so separate and not so divided. Um, there, there are ways that we can transcend about these differences and we can work together. Yeah, thank you, Ernest. Um, I so first of all, there are always more differences within groups than between groups, right? So any generation is not a homogenous whole. So the discussions, uh, you know, should be very nuanced. And often the articles uh, talking about generations don't necessarily reflect that because they are oversimplifying each generation into a set of characteristics that make it seem more homogenous. Um, I liked uh, Celine's point last time on the next generation, Gen Z being more bifurcated than 
than it has been in a long time, right? The sort of narcissistic or uh, the ones focused on status and money and success and the ones that are more altruistic um, and service-minded. And I think that's super interesting. And I do see that in my own experience in corporate and also in education. Um, and I, I do wonder if, if a similar bifurcation was happening in the 1960s and 70s, because I can see of the division, right, of different goals um, at that time. Um, and I, I connect with a lot of things that Ernest said. I do think the market definition is way too narrow. So I hear a lot of Gen Y and Gen Z folks basically talking about that they want to work, work as little as possible. And, and you know, uh, one could hear that and feel that they are entitled or too much focused on, on leisure and pleasure. But I can also see it's a kind of rebellion because they're essentially saying, I, I don't want to work in the market economy definition of it. But they are, in my experience, still quite engaged in the things that they do care about. So there's plenty of motivation and you know, useful output. But this, this whole idea of you know, what are we talking about with work that Ernest brought up, I think is very, very, very useful. Um, and, and also the, the identity piece, I do, yes, I agree that identity is kind of very complicated, right? Very separate, very segregated, um, because I think the young people are very challenging of any kind of boundaries right now, whether it's gender or sexuality. And I think this sort of uh, breaking through of various boundaries and messiness is, is, is necessary as a sort of progression toward wholeness and toward a, a greater belonging of, in communities. So it's, there's a lot of conversations uh, about what we're not, right? I'm speaking in the voice of the young people, right? We're um, neuroatypical or this and that, this and that label, which can be very sort of, which can seem us and them, right? Like not in the vein of wholeness, but I think it's a, it's a step toward it. It's, it's, it is a little bit messy, but I think it can be, I can see it in a very positive light for, for young people. A significant difference between then and now is that um, at that time, all, all this um, phenomenon was connected with uh, um, a strong critique of, of the system uh, that doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to be um, present uh, now uh, or it seems uh, it seems such a huge challenge to change the system nowadays. So I guess for me, the core question about work has something to do with the difference between work versus employment. Having a job versus the, the need to have a vocation. And the meta frame that I'm looking in terms of that is, is this question, how do we enable work 
to be wholesome, to be meaningful, and to be regenerative. So that work is not an employment. Work is actually part of life's creative expression. So when I look at that, and I look at young people today, no matter what the generation is, I look at Maslow's hierarchy just as an indicator. And it's, it's security, it's kinship, it's self-esteem, it's all of these issues, survival, all of those levels of needs still exist in society at so many levels. doesn't matter who the generation is. And all of those levels are going to be only met by organization. By the way, we organize resources by the way we organize each other, by the, the way we, we, we mobilize resources to address these, these shared human needs. But can we do this in a way that is wholesome, meaningful, and regenerative? So it was really interesting for me when I was thinking about what young people are looking for. In, in one of our presentations, uh, Christopher Cook was saying that the great shift that is starting to take place or needs to take place is the shift from performance to significance. So the whole measure of successful business and work is performance and how well are you doing and how much are you achieving and how do you quantify the results? And the shift to significance is how important is this in your experience? How important is this in this whole greater context in which we're living? And then another present, the presenter, Anthony Turton, said, we really need to start moving from significance to relevance. How relevant is what we are doing within the holistic context? And so it seems to me that the, the relevance is going to be a combination of the work is regenerative and the work is meaningful. And so it seems to me then that if we can create that kind of a framework, a reframe of work fundamentally, a reframing of what work means, it's not employment, it's not a job. It's actually life itself expressing itself through us. I want to think that we can transcend that uh, the generational and the values tension to touching something that is intrinsic to humanity. three key observations in, in working with younger generations. And one thing is that the younger generation, they challenge the boundaries, but at the same time, they claim boundaries, work and, and their life balance. This is something that our generation wouldn't really dare to, to challenge and to claim for themselves. And the second one is that they challenge the purpose of organizations. They say, why are we here? What are we doing? And what is it for? And they claim impact. They want positive impact. They're not prepared to work in organizations that don't care about the impact they have on the environment, on society. And, and the third challenge is like challenging the way of working, challenging hierarchies, challenging fixed times challenging being having to be in the office 
they don't want to be seen as a resource, as a human resource, which is an input that creates a certain output. They want to be seen as humans. They want to be seen as, as potential, in their potential, and to, be, to have opportunities for personal growth and professional development. Also talking to my friends, we said we need to create a context in organizations where we can give those next generations what they need because they have a right and they are right to claim it. And now I see that learning is multidirectional. So I'm learning at least as much from younger generations than they learn from me. Uh, they have a lot of skills and abilities that are really important. And when I look at uh, even CCG and our team, we represent different generations. So we have a span of 50 years represented here. And we have different cultures. We are on three continents. Maybe we learn a way how this could look like, how we could learn from each other and work together. I find it super inspiring. What I think is essential is that uh, we we allow a shift from work being a, a transactional process but becoming a relational process. I think this has been back in history a relational an expression of relationship of work as such. It shifted towards a transactional process and now I think people are all these purpose implicit purpose questions are an expression of the desire to uh, regain relationships in every aspect of our lives. Also this work-life balance is an expression of that to my understanding. And as soon as I'm, I feel relational, I feel embedded, I feel seen, I feel listened to and heard to and my voice counts, which is an expression of relationality, of relationship, then work is an expression of myself and not just uh, income generation. What, I, what observations, observations to me are also com comparing my generation to maybe younger generations now that for us, these topics were uh, explicit. Also our conversation here, we are explicitly naming things. We are talking about holism of, and we have kind of the age to do that. As a, a 25 year old, you, how could you speak that language? You, you miss X years of, of living uh, and of, of breakdowns and breakthroughs and breakdowns and breakthroughs. So for them, a lot of these questions are implicit. Like, of course, I don't have a meeting if, after five. Of course, I, uh, I don't know, also maybe me as a man, I take care of my, my kids, not only my wife. So, so there are these implicit qualities already embedded in, in this next generation, which I, I can see and observe. I think the question I would love to explore with you is, because from my perspective, like intergenerational teams work much better if 
we come from a place of maybe not knowing to be open to be humble to yeah so what is a way to learn better from each other and what came to my mind is and i think maybe this could be a helpful way to enhance intergenerational work to have this feeling of or this humbleness of of not knowing one way to, to think about it is to how to to let go of that fixated mindset like I think for both the younger generation and the kind of the, the older generations to to really kind of empty out whatever kind of mindset that they have like they have the experience they have different knowledge for sure um, but but let go of the fixation so that they can truly deeply listen to one another and, and interact. I think also another point I want to make is that um, another obstacle apart from that that fixations on on views or, or kind of silo, another boundary is really um, the the boundary of resources. So how those who have uh, control or even like a good monopoly of resources um, could open up the opportunities for those who don't have, like so that we can maintain good mobi- mobility across different like races, uh, culture or generation. So that like uh, those who don't have the, the resources, but they have huge potential, they can be in a way be, be uh, properly invested, like, so to speak, like for, you know, from a financial standpoint, so that people uh, or human potential can also be uh, fully ex- explored uh, instead of uh, being wasted or underinvested. And to second uh, Lisa's point about not knowing, uh, the truth is none of us know what's going on. You know, all of us, no matter what age, we're incredibly confused in this day and age and what to do, how to do it. So I think the not knowing a beginner's mind is really something we all need to practice <laughs> all the time. Um, and then I think you're, um, I, I think I want to make a point is that the, the fabric of our society is that intergenerational interactions don't happen naturally, not nearly enough, right? Essentially older people are nearly invisible um, socially, right? So unless people go to church or something, there are very little time. And that's what's necessary for uh, really friendships to happen is that there has to be mechanisms of regular interaction between people who are different and that just doesn't happen so much it's incredibly difficult for everyone to make friendships that's not already there in some way of you know who who are people mostly like you so natural apprentice of different generations or younger people apprenticing with older people is something that is lost largely and I think that's a, that's a huge loss um, to our, our society. Shantina also, I think, brought up the, the question of apathy, which I think is the important uh, idea to explore. And I think that is uh, also something probably every generation has felt about the generations to come, whether or not they're apathetic to the things that really matter, right? Um, so, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. I think, again, there are, like Christian said, I think there are a lot of 
a lot of young people who are apathetic, but I would also see it as a mechanism of the, their context because it's, it's very disempowering, right? We all, we all know that. And it's very different to be distracted. It, it's so easy to be distracted. So I see the apathy as a symptom of the ills of our, again, the fabric of our societies instead of more intrinsic to each generation. to Christian's comment about relationships and, the, and what you've just shared about the difficulty of intergenerational relationships. It just become a, come into my awareness again that the technological skills, the capacity to work with technology, to work with smart programs, to work with apps, to work with all this new stuff, really the, new, the, the newer generations apparently it's part of their DNA already. Somebody said they, they're like born with an inbuilt tablet already. Whereas for our generation, my generation, it's very hard to develop those technological skills. And so we almost have two kind of worlds. The one is a algorithmic world, technological world, and then the other one is the world of being human. And, and that, that requires so-called elder wisdom to be recognized again. As you said, the, the elder people are actually becoming invisible socially. It, we, we want a generative integration of elder wisdom and young, smart, technological skills so that they're working to what you identified so beautifully right at the beginning, Ernest, was human flourishing. I think the relationality that you mentioned, uh, Christian, is the key. I'd like to go back and reinforce to what Lisa said about not knowing. That's, that's one big thing that we all share, that all of us, uh, multiple intersecting generations that share this planet at this time, we're confronting an extraordinary amount of not knowing. Lao Tzu tells us not knowing is the most intimate. Um, I think that's that's a place where we can where we can meet, and a place where we can be humble together and learn from each other. And I think um, the older generation needs a, a share of not knowing at least equal to that one of the of the younger generation. We've struggled and worked for uh, transforming the world according to a certain image. But this image was just part of our not knowing, of our dreaming. So it's like joining, joining in this space of allowing, not knowing, allowing that we we live in like profound mystery. Um, that's a good place to meet, and it's it, it's a place to meet that requires some life experience integrated.
yeah, I, I wish that I always had have had this openness to all the generations um, than, that I have now, like this, this humbleness and this willingness to listen and to learn from each other. I like every young person, I think you don't, you don't have this from the beginning on. And I think there's so many wonderful missed opportunities when you are not open. So it would be wonderful if we could teach children or adolescents how we can like come in contact and how to be open to each other. Because like also Claudius has said with the, with the fast moving forward technology. And even for me, sometimes it's hard to uh, like be in, in the game of constant technological innovation. Um, we need each other more than ever. I think, like you said, we need the human aspect and we need the technology um, and we need each other. So yeah, it would be wonderful if we could explore a way to work better together. I guess for me, the, the, the introduction of the notion of networks that um, Yang Zhao was sharing is more from a fixed organization providing jobs to people bringing their creativity together in value-based networks, and it is happening. So I think probably the nature of work is changing anyway. And uh, a really interesting initiative that we're looking at is the relocation, relocalization of creativity. It's the empowerment of the idea of little collaborative groupings. And this seems to be happening around the world. So there's, there's, a, there's a change in the nature of organization. It's still organization. The network is an organization. But what I'm, what I'm loving you saying is that the wisdom needs to inform the, the employment of the technology. It's not the technology that is providing the wisdom. And so it is that creative discourse that uh, must map our way forward in the future of work. Thank you.